Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba da ba ba ba. I'm home caught, just standing trial. Why ain't I see you round back when I was down? I'm home caught, just standing trial. Why ain't I see you round back when I was down? They ain't believing me in the beginning. Who wanna hang around now they see me winning? I'm home caught, just standing trial. Why ain't I see you round back when I was down? Yo, it's your boy Big Court from the Holding Court Podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by the ice cream man himself, Master P, Master Crunch Cereal. Uh, This is the Honey Nut Toasted Oats available in all grocery stores. So go to your local grocery store and pick this up. And this is a cool collectible box. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, this is pretty dope. Master Crunch Cereal. Go pick yours up. Salute. What's up, world? It's your boy Big Court here on the Holding Court Podcast. And what's up with you, producer Ken? Oh, man, hanging in. How you doing? I'm good, brother. I'm good. Excited today. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, we got another dope, uh, um, you know, episode. And we're here in our new, our new space. You know what I'm saying? I yeah, hope the, the underground. like it. The underground. It's the Holding Court Underground. You know what I mean? It's the trap spot. Um, but today I got a special guest. And uh, I don't say that lightly. And I know motherfuckers like, he say that with everybody. But no, some real <laughs> shit. Today, <laughs> I got a special guest, uh, old comrade of mine, man, uh, from the legendary group. Very, very talented individual. Very uh, intelligent uh, person as well. Uh, very well-spoken, very charismatic. The one and only Busy Bone from Bone Thugs and Harmony. What's up with you, brother? Sorry. What's going on? What's going on with you, Court Mouth? Like treating you. I see your co-host over there. What's going on, my man? How you, How you living? Doing? What's your name, brother? It's Ken, brother. Ken, 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 Court. Yeah, man, I got to catch up, man. I got to catch up. I heard you got flesh and bone. Yeah, flesh and bone. Yeah, flesh. Shout out to Stack. Stack came through and did his thing, man. We had an awesome segment with Stack. You know what I mean? Uh, it's doing numbers. People are really loving to hear from Stack because you know Stack can. You know he's kind of been an enigma a little bit. He don't do a whole lot of media, so people want to hear from him. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But uh, I want to start by saying, man, me and you go back a long fucking way. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. I, a lot of people don't know. You know, me and you. Do you remember? The first song that we did, you probably don't remember, but we did the song. Uh, was it? I think it was Rick through Rick. Rest in peace to uh, Double R. You know what I'm Double saying? Double R. Yeah. That's yeah. That's our connection, man. I that was our connection. E, but man, rest in peace, Double R. That's where we connected at. That's man. where we connected. Um, yeah. I vaguely remember the song that we did. Um, but yeah, man, it was amazing, man, to see. A close personal friend passed away that quick of what's going on in the world. Yeah, that was hard, man. I got hit hard with that. Yeah. Yeah, man. Rest in peace to the homie, Rick Robinson. And where we came into contact was uh, you and I. If you remember as far back, this was around the gift, around the time that you was doing the gift. And we had we were up in uh, Wisconsin and we did. You were putting together the group Mob Life. You remember that? Hell yeah. 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 Uh And it was. With L, Big L. Yeah, Big exactly. L. 
You know what I'm saying? Double yeah. R, you know? <laughs> Double R. Like, it was like Double R's vision. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, his, exactly. his vision. And when we did the Busy Bone Presents Double R, yep. you know, we really wanted it. I think Cuckoo Cow was in on Cuckoo it, too. Cuckoo Cow. He was a part Cuckoo of it, too. Cuckoo yep. was in yep. on it. Um, yeah, man, it was really his vision, man. And he, like, there's a lot of people in your career that you meet mm-hmm. that are, like, visionaries and... Mm-hmm. You know, that are like about the music and branding and, you know, maybe not putting the word on it, but Mm -hmm. you start to realize what they were doing, teaching you how to brand new Mm -hmm. product and new, new things. So, yeah, big shout out to Double R, man. Big shout out. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Because I think me and you, we had did um, we did a song called For Show. It was on Mm -hmm. my Kansas City Chief album. And then remember we recorded at uh Kenny. Shout out to Kenny McLeod. We had McLeod, recorded. McLeod, you know he was on stage with us. <laughs> yeah, guy. he was on stage doing the No Surrender thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I never knew that Kenny did. That was him on the talk box. I never knew yeah, that till the day. Kenny, man, I've been working yeah. with Kenny a long ass time, making music with my mouth and him transferring everything over uh-huh. to thuggish, ruggish bone, um, everything. Like mm-hmm. he would be like, "What's your idea?" Yeah. Like Kenny. Cloud is a special kind of a motherfucker, man. He um, yeah, he's a special kind of a motherfucker, man. Mm-hmm. The music, like he yeah. good dude too, but yeah. musically, hell yeah. Big shout out to Kenny McLeod, man. Hell yeah. yeah, man. So yeah, man, definitely, man. Damn, you bringing up good ass memories. <laughs> it was all on stage with us yeah. though, anyway. Yeah. Damn. So I'm a, I'm gonna do something different with this B because you've been trending lately. And everybody already knows the history. So, I mean, we not finna, I'm not even going to start with the whole how'd you meet Easy e and all of that. We already know that. That's well told. You know, that's documented. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take a step back and I'm I'm not even, I'm going to be Big Court the fan. I'm just, I'm going to be a fan for a second and I'm just going to come from that perspective and, and, and just get down like that. So I ain't even going to interview you. We just going to, it's an interview slash conversation. So we're going to flow a little bit different. Yeah. Um, I know how to get down for it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I want to know what, what, how did you develop the, the style that we came to know busy as like, what made you say, you know what? I'm going to run these words like this and incorporate this harmony. Where did that come from? Like what, what gave you that idea? Man, I always been like a musician. Um, it started off with mimicking, being able to mimic voices and then um, listening to the radio and hearing music and then being able to mimic those voices and then the the feeling behind it. So that's kind of like what cultivated me as a musician, like on some infant status, you know, like two and three when you first start talking and shit. Um, and then, you know, before I met my boys and shit in and out of, you know, different um, young boys' homes and shit like that, you know what I'm saying? And uh, foster homes, this, that, and the other, I started like honing my rap skills. And uh, like then I, I incorporated my my singing ability in it. And like my very first record, I was 10, 11 years old, it was bass and treble. And on the bass side, it was rapping. And on the treble side, it was harmonizing. And then, you know, we fast forwarded, I say about seven years. Ah, not even that far. 
Um, I say about four years. I met like 15 years old. I met Cray and I met uh, Lay. First, I met Lay. And um, like I was in the ninth grade and I met, <clears throat> I think I was like 14, like 14 years old. So maybe only three years, three years from that first record. So I met Lay and he introduced me to Cray. And then we started, you know, um, for we formed a group once we found out we could all we could all do music. And then we formed a bond and a friendship after that, like um, kicking it, you know, young and shit, drinking beer and shit, selling dope and shit like that. You know what I mean? Because uh, that's what was going on in, in the late 80s, early 90s. All young motherfuckers parents and homes was fucked up and had drugs that just came in and destroyed shit so we were like the city of god man just young ass niggas with guns selling drugs trying to get by refrigerators empty you know for whatever reason you know what i'm saying as motherfuckers get older they you know they don't want to really reveal certain shit but from that point on we began to hone our skills and um Eventually, Cray goes to jail and he like when he went to jail and he came home, he had this new way of because he was listening to some nigga, on, well, not some nigga, a legend on the radio, Big Daddy Kane, um, the legendary Big Daddy Kane. Um, and he heard a line or some shit. And so he came with a fast rap. And then before that, Lay had was did something that was hyping them up and striking them up and giving them what they're like. So when he like, that was before Cray even wrote it. So it was just all, all in all stars was aligned, man. From the bass and the trouble to what Lay was adding in to what Cray did. It was inching towards that particular speed part, but the harmony was already there. Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Here, the rhythm already there to be able to ride a beat that was already there um so it was already there yeah what were some of your early musical influence influences because i know like we about the same age and you know i grew up on cameo confunction and all that good shit what was it the same thing in your house yeah man like motown of course um lionel richie commodores way 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 back when i was mimicking voices so those kind of those kind of tunes at three, two, three, four, like 
um, honed my skills to be able to hold notes and shit. I've been a musician like all my life, like all my life since a young cat. Yeah. When did you discover um, that you could sing? When I was mimicking voices. Like what? What voices were you mimicking? I, um, this radio personality out of uh, uh, out of Ohio, out of Ohio, like Wild Man Jack, and he had this real deep, 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 deep voice, and it was like real scratchy. And my voice was naturally high. So as I'm as I'm doing that, like I'm starting to realize like my throat hurt. You know, so I started just like recognizing vocal cords and shit like that. And always been an insightful cat. You know what I mean? Music is just in my blood. It's in my bump, my bump. And what I found out for my mom is it's a reason for that, too, when I was in her womb. You know what I mean? And certain travels and journeys that she took from New York, you know what I'm saying? From Brooklyn all the way out to here. You know what I mean? So I kind of learned, you know, you learn, you learn where you from, man. And you want to know where you get it from. You know what I mean? And I like, I, man, I know exactly where I get it from, from the womb. You know me, but Motown. So Motown, I listened to Motown, the DOC. I was really, uh, I loved what he was doing um, when he first came out, Rock Him. By far, I got snuck a mixtape by my homie, rest in peace, Donald Case, who was a DJ back in the days before I met Vaughn. So these were my influences. And then when you go to Cleveland, their radio station is completely different. Their radio station is probably one of the, the old school radio station. It was everything, man. It was everything. It was Cameo, man. It was Midnight Star. It was True. It was um, New Edition, of course. But they played. They didn't play just the crossover um artists in our genre that we love like it wasn't just new edition it wasn't just you know what i mean they was they they played the motherfucking black owned record company shit the shit that you feel what i mean like when motherfuckers didn't have much and it was like all heart and it was you know real artists man motherfuckers that don't have a pension and that remind me of what uh mr robinson wanted to do for those kind of artists but Anyway, yeah, so that was the music, man, that, that I listened to. I still listen to this shit. I don't want to go too off subject, but that was definitely it. <clears throat> so Busy, with Busy's voice, so would that be considered a falsetto? Yeah, I think I would consider it falsetto, second soprano. You know, how, how did you master the bravado, the, the bravado, vibrato? Was that something that you were taught, or was that something that you just had naturally? Because... No, I- I, I've been honing it for a while, you know, practice make perfect and the things you love to do and the things you without even thinking it's going to get you any money just because expressing yourself like you're really practicing, you're really tuning up, you're tuning your instrument up and stuff. So, yeah, man, that that basically everything that you said, man, just tuning it up and um, like it's it's different when you're on a microphone and 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 projecting your voice than it is when you're not on a microphone live and then even studio, it, it's a real art form to this music, you know, and auto tune make it easier for these niggas, but it's, it, it's, a, it's, it's difficult because you have three different sets of artistry. You have the, you know, the, the studio, like I was saying, and you have the live and then you have just the, with nobody in the room, like right now, how you and me are. So, yeah, man. So, I learned how to control it and flip it for each thing. Like what I did 
studio. Now, how I make it sound that way on the microphone ain't the same way. Yeah, that vibrato yeah. shit is hard. I ain't been able to master it in my years. You know what I mean? That's a whole fucking... I've always been fascinated by motherfuckers who had that good bravado shit. Vibrato, you know, like Whitney used to do it so fucking good. Her fucking mouth, the bottom of her mouth was quiver. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So I always felt like you had a, <laughs> a, a good-ass voice. Did you ever? Did you ever want to just completely sing did you ever consider like fuck it i know i can rap everybody know that but i'm gonna do a whole fucking r&b or whatever gospel whatever you felt at that time but sing i think that was that was when my first record came into play like the um the um the bass and the treble because the treble part i was just singing just flow songs write love songs to girls you know the shit you do when you're 11 and you're 12 you know what i'm saying um yeah, so I don't know if I ever wanted to do it later on in my career because I, I kind of got a signature voice and I, I've always been trying, like like my whole mission in music is find your, your levity, find your point to where you just, your flow is just crazy. That eternal flow to where you got your everything under control as far as your voice, how you bring shit and your flow is just, crazy so that's always been like like my mission and shit you know what i mean not to go off subject though, no it's all subject. good no it's all good so when you did um <clears throat> so like going back to uh the first the first creeping on the come up um you didn't do much singing on on on, on that the singing really didn't come into play, I feel like, until Heaven's movie, when you were really able to kind of spread your wings. Uh obviously it's a solo album, but uh like doing shit like uh what was it on the highway, on the freeway? Hell yeah. Cat yeah. Cody. Shout out to Cat Cody in Maine, Massachusetts, yeah. Upper East. That is my man. It's my that was bad. one of my favorite songs. Yeah. That was some smooth ass pimp player shit right there. Man, my homeboy, man, when he came to me with the idea, like, he's a genius. He taught himself how to play the guitar. He taught himself how to play the piano. And it, it the only way I was going to pull something like that off was with somebody that fucking talented. So, yeah, man, Love on the Freeway, he helped me dig into the singing part and helped me write the shit, too. Like, helped me write it, so... You know, I think if like I had somebody like helping me write like some R&B just singing shit or some shit, it probably would work. It's just my groove is just so much my own brand, though. You know, so if I feel it, I do it, though. As an R&B artist, I always thought that you would have completely and totally stuck out just because your voice and the way that you ride the beat, the staccato of of the way you flow over the beat, because like uh, on the on the freeway, that was a I hadn't heard a song like that, and I still haven't heard a song like that. Like the way that you you glided over the beat, you know what I'm saying? And I noticed all the little nuances, you know what I'm saying? All the ad libs and the two and three part harmonies and shit. I hear that shit, you know what I mean? So yeah, I, yeah. yeah. I think that definitely puts you in a uh, in a you know in a space of your of your own. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, man. I always wanted it. you to do more of that, bro. I always wanted you to lean into that. Well, that's always been like that's always been my thing, man. Like, if it's not broke, I don't really ever want to fix it. And there are certain songs in my career that help me get 
to the next level of of my flow of of like complete albums and complete perfect albums that that really showcase the person and I don't know if I'll ever be able to do another one of Love on the Freeway. It was just some of them songs is is one hitter quitters and make them special. And, you know, that's why I keep grinding it out, Court, you know, um, because, you know, my, my discography means something to me. You know, my artistry means something to me. This dream, this being a musician and the legacy, man, this shit really means something to me. So those songs to me, are pivotal, pivotal, pivotal moments and points in my music career that hold the mountains in place, you know? Yeah. So let's go back to Heaven's movie for a second. So you had done all these super successful albums. You had, um, you know, Creeping on the Come Up, Eternal, Art of War, and then you drop. Uh, Flesh was the first one to go solo. You were the second. Um, and you do that with Relativity. Um, what was that like at that moment? Cause now at this point it's all you, you know, if it succeeds or if it fails, it's all you, you know what I mean? And even business wise, you having to well, handle your own business with relativity and all of that. They're right up there on the wall, man. Yeah, man. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. It was a big, big thing. Well, Lay first, Lay first was the first one to go solo, but that was when we were with a local record label and Lay always had Lazy Bone production. So he kind of led the way in making sure you have your own as well. You know, Lay, Lay is was groundbreaking in the business aspect of of uh of bone thugs and harmony man he the business early like yeah, that real. nigga's that nigga's the michael bivens of the group yeah no nah, was on it yeah nigga, man he, he learned it early man and you know eventually we all picked up on it and you know got have our own take on it but yeah man i'm just you know reflecting on reflecting on that moment and that time man we were really 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 about our business we really knew the ins and outs of everything man not so, to go off. No, okay, it's I'm all listening. good. So when you do Heaven's movie, which went gold, I believe, uh, was that was your was that the introduction of the Bone Bone Thugs brand into Relativity? Because then y'all Mo Thugs was through uh, Relativity as well. So was your solo oh, uh, album opening I, the door for that? Well, the the Easy E actually was like inking a big ass fucking deal with them. Like that's what he was in New York doing. He was in a big ass deal with, uh, relativity and Sony. Um, and so that relationship was built earlier on. And then after all the smoke cleared and shit with easy, ease estate, and they was able to do business, you know, with bone and under ruthless, they came back into the picture. And um, we worked out a really exceptional deal at that time that other, mother, other motherfuckers haven't never heard of. It was money that motherfuckers never heard of. And everybody broke bread. Wishbone got money and he didn't even put out a solo record. It was, that was the way our shit was set up. And, you know, um, 
it was major, man. It was like, cause we were, it was like not something that you was doing by yourself, but it was a crazy bone record company coming. It was a lazy bone record coming. Flesh and Bone had already signed to Russell Simmons and them, and Russ gave him the bag. Like, Russ gave Flesh the bag. Like, Flesh got the bag. Before we knew what a bag was, Flesh and Bone knew what a bag was. I'm talking M's. Like, he got the first bag out the crew because he wasn't signed. You know what I'm saying? They were scared. They were scared of that nigga, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? They was fucking afraid of him. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, uh, he was able to get with Russ and them. And he got the bag bag. So as he led the way, we were like, shit, we finna get the bag too. Because it was like, y'all can also do shit on your own, make some money, open a label, do some shit like that. Like, everybody was coming in, giving us, like, good advice. It wasn't, it wasn't like, 100% demons and shit. Like, you got vultures and shit, motherfuckers. It's just around you trying to get a quick dollar. But it was some good motherfuckers out there that was like, you know what? Do this, do that, do this. So we listened, got us a good attorney, and um, man, got to that bag, man. And yep, I dropped next. I, they was like, B, you go first, because all the people fuck with you. You know what I'm saying? As far as from us four, because I because Flesh had success with Run. Um, shout out to Run from Run DMC, Recipes Jam J, Montel Jordan. You know, he had a lot of success with those motherfuckers. Like, his shit was going gold and platinum and shit. So, you know, that was our aim. You know what I mean? So, we, Big Bruh led the way when it came to that solo endeavor shit. So, let me um, ask you, B. You weren't, so why, you wasn't a part of, uh, you wasn't on Flesh's uh, uh, Truths Humbly United Gathering Souls, the Thugs album. You wasn't on that album, right? No, nah, uh-uh, man. Flesh was like running, moving fast. And, you know, at that time, I was really beefing with the record label <clears throat> because we basically had our freedom after Easy e died. And I'm we need to go get the goddamn motherfucking bag. Got kids. I got three kids. So remember what I told you about it wasn't 100% demons. It was like a lot of motherfuckers that had really good advice. Like, B, don't sign that shit. Tell your boys, don't sign that shit. It's motherfuckers that'll give you 150 motherfucking million dollars right now. That's when Puffy was breaking the bank. You know what I'm saying? That's when these record labels was like, okay, this is the last five, six, seven years of this shit before computers take over. Napster was going crazy. It wasn't hard to see the fucking future, man. So they was giving that bag and, and running it up while they was figuring out how to do all that, that computer shit. And building their motherfucking tech shit. You know what I'm saying? They tech department in order to take their shit to the next level. These companies ain't fools. These motherfuckers, is, they smart. They smart like you and me. Yeah. So let me ask no. you this, B. Let me ask you this. So, and 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 I apologize if I'm overstepping, but just, again, from the outside looking in. So is it safe to say or uh, to assume? Because I remember at one point, you know, it was always like you were pictured to be the troublemaker and the bad guy. Um, but from me knowing you just over the years loosely and, and, and putting certain things together, is it safe to say that it was because your position and I'm, I'm, I'm building this question off of what you just said. Is it because 
you were really fighting for the best interest of the group and you didn't want to settle for anything. It was like, nah, fuck that. We bone thugs in harmony. This is what we worth. Let's go get what we worth. Let's fight for what we worth. And maybe the fellas were more like, well, let's just go along. You know what I'm saying? Play along. And you was like, fuck that. I don't want to play along. Nice. I want to fight for whether it's our masters or whatever the case may be, y'all be able to be who and do what you want to do. Was Is that a, from the outside looking in, is that a fair assessment of what that was? Yeah, man, I think that, I think on my homeboy's behalf, you don't want to jump out the the fire to jump back into the skillet. It's like, it. who the fuck do you trust? And what do you trust? Um, How do you trust? You know what I'm saying? Like, you got a motherfucker saying, this is the deal. I give it to you now. This is the deal. This is a good deal. This is a good deal. And me pressing the issue actually made the deal with Ruthless better. Like, they, anything they would send me, and we like, man, fuck this shit. Fuck this shit. Fuck this shit. Fuck this shit. It's five of us. How we going to split that? <laughs> right, real shit. So they, they was running them numbers up and running them numbers up. But me... I didn't want to be there. Like after easy pass, I was just like, my loyalty is to E. You feel me? Like, and I could talk to E like, man, nigga don't play us. Man, be quiet, busy. Ain't nobody gonna play you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that E. But, you know, so I was always on that level, man. But I was also able to run the numbers up so it ain't like they was doing stupid business either. You know, and I was able to, you know, uh, sign as guest appearances. So I wasn't confined so much, but I was getting money like for these certain other like records that was coming out. Um, So, you know, I was able to do my business while they did their business so we could coexist and, and continue to do shit. But, yeah. I was painted as the troublemaker. I caused a lot of noise because I really wanted them niggas to go in my direction. And I ain't really know how to go about it. But, you know what I'm saying, flip the fuck out on niggas and shit. Like, you know what I'm saying, I really didn't, you know, because everything that I was saying that was making total sense, I was being looked at as, at times like, you too young to be this motherfucking on it. Like, it's coming from a nigga, like, shit, 16, 17 years old. And I'm talking like, I know my shit. And I'm still saying the same shit now. I was just schooled by a motherfucker who knew they shit. And I was reciprocating everything that I was being told to my niggas like this. And I soaked the shit up. And I'm like, look, niggas, this is what's going on. We can go get this money right now. All we got to do is not fuck with this person. And it might have took a six months. It might have took a year, a negotiation, and shit might not have popped like we wanted it to pop. But I believe it would have put us in a better situation financially, you know, instead of, you know, living off the label, man, paying for your fucking hotel and paying for your fucking studio and paying for your food and paying for your weed and paying for your clothes like you some goddamn fucking kid or some shit like that. And I got three babies and I know I'm young as fuck. But that ain't my that ain't my setup. That ain't the way I wanted to move. You know, I got a like a baby mama and shit. Like I'm I'm about to marry this girl. You feel me? So she de- Who needs an alarm in the morning 
when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Man, I'm a man. Like, you know, what? where is your money? You know what I'm saying? So, and she was damn right at that time. You feel what I mean? And, <clears throat> and it got to be, that was a problem because, you know, my niggas young, they want to party, they want to kick it, they want to have a good time with chicks. They want to, you know what I'm saying? That's just how they want to move. You feel what I mean? They want to ball. And they don't have, like, babies at the house and shit. And I'm the youngest. So they looking at me like a motherfucking enigma themselves because it's just like they don't make these motherfuckers like this. Like, where do you get these guys from? You young, you should be out partying. You're the youngest member of the motherfucking crew. You should be having fun. You're one of the most visible motherfuckers. Come out here and have some fun with us. Fuck with these hoes, my nigga. Let's get with these hoes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. I'm Oh, I'm like Southwest T. Damn. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> you know so, yeah. so that, uh, that kind of caused a little disruption because it was like I was growing up fast and niggas wanted to enjoy that moment in that time. So that kind of, and I understand that now that I'm an adult and mature enough to just understand it, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, no, that makes sense. So your so your primary issue back then with Ruthless was with Tamika. So I guess what I'm hearing is E, you because of your personal relationship with E, you could have very easily renegotiated and said, Hey, and E would have gave y'all that that liberty and that freedom to to make it right. right. But but basically you're kind of, I guess what I'm hearing is Tamika and the powers that be is kind of like, nah, fuck that. You know what I'm saying? This is what it is, and we gonna hold y'all to this. And that's where the discord came. Cause I, I know you used to kind of take aim at Tamika. So was it, was I mean, that the no, issue? Man, it was, it was more like before signing anything and I didn't sign anything. And I had to take home girl to court. Because the paperwork that she had with me with E, I was 17 years old. So I wasn't legally binded to it. So I had to take home girl to court and and sue for my solo rights to be able to record my solo shit. That's where the immature shit came from. And the DJ soundtrack and the Friday song and all of those other things, you know, for Ice Cube and shit. That's where I was able to start branching off before anything popped. You know what I'm saying? Like, I really had to go in there and fight for that shit. So it wasn't she was on some fuck that shit. It was just my niggas was moving in that direction. She ain't really have to say much. I was just questioning everything. And I was needed and necessary. Signatories and shit was needed and necessary. And I was being questioned on pretty much. I was questioning everything. Well, what for? Who's paying for it? Where's the wardrobe coming from? When are we getting paid for this show? Who's the promoter? Um, why aren't we getting paid for this show? Why are you saying that it's a promotional tour and motherfuckers are paying money for the tickets? Like this was called, you're a goddamn troublemaker. No, I'm not, bitch. I'm asking you why we aren't getting paid and they're paying money to get in here to see us. Who the fuck is making fucking money? And that was called being a troublemaker. Now, don't let me get drunk. Don't let me get stressed the fuck out. And one night I just fucking spontaneous combust and, and I get fucked up and get drunk or whatever because all this goddamn pressure on me being a motherfucking father 
and, and trying to fight this fucking record label and the homies not really listening to me and all this other money that I know we can be getting that I'm watching other niggas getting. God forbid I get too stressed out, drink a little bit too much because then the whole narrative is, okay, he an alcoholic. Okay, he on drugs. Okay, he on, but that was before social media. Couldn't hit him every day. You know what I'm saying? You just couldn't hit him like you can hit him now and be like, shit, look at me. You can look at me every motherfucking day. Look at me. You understand what I'm saying? We all get one or two. But so that added to the bullshit. But, you know, um, I've always looked at it like all press is good press. Um, you know, they talking. Yeah. <laughs> um, they talking about it. Because certain times when you learn a lot of shit, you got to be your own publicist. You got to be your own marketing campaign. You got to step yourself in. You got to put yourself in third person without worrying about being egotistical or not and understand that you are a brand and ain't nobody going to look out for your ass for you. And you have to do that at certain given times in this fucking business. If you're going to survive on your own and be able to determine with anyone that you're working with, fuck that. My value is here. Just keep let's push, let's push, let's push, let's push. And I've been staying the fuck away from everything when it comes to the homies. So when the verses and everybody come at me, they know, man, Bone going to get what they worth. And it's going to be the biggest fucking payout. And niggas ain't saying shit because we smart niggas. I'm finna tell you shit. But, man, BB going to get to that bag. I'm going to run them numbers up to make it so valuable. Like, I believe that we are. I believe that. I talk people off the ledge all the time in my DMs. I take the time out, man. I talk to all 400 and something, 500 and something, million and something views that I got on my social media shit or people that I got on my sh- I talk to every motherfucking one that I can, whether it's from a group or a person. I really, re- so I know the importance of us. I know how far we're willing to go for our fans and how far our fans are willing to go for us. It's some Grateful Dead shit. It's tattoos and shit. It's religion to some of these motherfuckers, man. And I'm the nigga that's taking this shit super, super serious to where, like, I believe what they believe in us. And I understand the ins and outs and where to send them at the end of the day. Make sure you go there. To the Batmobile. Shouts out to Daylight. (laughs) Make sure you go up there at the end of the day. So that's. That's how I feel about branding and shit. I don't mean to get off subject. My no, bad. no, no. It's all good. It's you. You still on subject. You you right on subject. So um, no, no. Okay, because you know, again, like I said, I'm stepping outside of interview and I'm just having a conversation and want to ask the question that I know the fans want to know because I I myself has been a, have been a fan for years. Um, so once you did, so you only did one album with Heaven's uh with Relativity with Heaven's movie, correct? Yeah, we did. Well, actually, it was set up to be four albums. Lay, but myself, uh, Lay, and Witch. So under the contractual shit, it was like a four-album solo deal, but they got all of them, but not the group. So you feel what I'm saying? You see what I'm getting at? I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So y'all basically filled it with Busy, with Mo Thugs, and Boom. all the other. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, well, they branched off with the Mo Thugs shit. That was a, a branch. That wasn't a part of the particular solo deal arrangement. That became, they took that, that was a little later, but it was always an imprint on its way to becoming and 
Man, they sold like 10 million records. Big shout out to Mo Thug Records. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah, Big shout out to The first two. Man, them first two Mo Thugs uh, albums was classics. That first one, was it Family Scriptures? Yeah. And Family then, Scriptures 1 and 2. Yeah, oh man, it was classic records, brother. And y'all y'all was really kind of kind of doing what what we were doing at No Limit cuz y'all had a whole family of motherfuckers that y'all was putting on from Too True to uh was a Graveyard Shift. Um and everybody put out albums if you notice. Mocha Records sold 10 million copies because they put out about 10 albums. Like Too True did about 3 400,000. And that was big money back then. What I'm saying, like, that was crazy money, man. dollars a CD, you know what I mean? Yeah. Man, that was crazy money (laughs) back then. So, like, yeah, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And so it was uh, Too True, it was Graveyard Shift, and then it was uh, Soldier Boy, uh, what? And then y'all had some big ass hits on 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 Mo Thug too, because you had Ghetto Cowboy, you had It's All Good. Uh, yeah, it was some hits spawned on that motherfucker. And uh, no, had man, I wish my man's did some of them with the verses and shit. You know, I love It's All Good. It's All Good is like one of them ones. Ghetto Cowboy, everybody love that. I keep I keep Western. I keep a Western in my pocket because of it. It's is so well created by Crazy Bone. Big shout out to Crazy Bone. Like he's such a fucking man. Genius. I got to give it man. to Crazy Bone. I, you can always see his 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 fingerprint on the songs, the choruses, and all of that. I can always tell when Crazy has has come up with the the hook and did the verse, and then everybody else followed. You know what I'm saying? Because it's a certain vibe that Crazy come with. You know what I'm saying on the song. Yeah. Uh, you can always tell. You know what I mean? Um, what 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 is your? I want to ask you, Busy. What's your favorite Bone Thug record out of all of them? So from from Creeping on the Come Up all the way to Unify. I mean, like if you had to pick, everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. One. I, I, I couldn't pick one. It, it would be Crossroads. It would be... No, no, no. I'm saying the whole body of work, the whole album. Like, Art of oh, War, like, East 99, album? yeah. Um, shit, man. It, it would be a toss-up between... Because I love the resurrection because Flesh and Bone had an opportunity to shine and really show that he was a part of us. So, you know, um, so there were certain parts of, of each record that meant too much for me to just pick one because each record. I mean, because if you if you're going sound wise, sound wise, it would have yeah. to be sound wise. It would have to be um, new waves with Cray and sound wise, just straight sound where it was mixed, mastered perfectly. Um, body of work, uh, but that's just a bone dub. We had everybody else on it. Um, if the fan favorite, it would have to be East 1999 Eternal would be the their favorite. Either. That or creeping on the come up, or of course, Art of War, which yeah. was a double, double album. Disc, yeah, you know what I mean. So, 
um, those ones. But each each record held a certain special thing. And I think after a while, the record company kind of got lazy, you know, um, and that's where I always wanted to be able to take over artistically. But they were starting to bring us the producers. So is this you know when is, is this when you fell back because you weren't on uh, strength and loyalty? So is that where you kind of started to fall back and you felt what well, you strength said? and loyalty loyalty? They left ruthless after that. That's oh, right. Fast, that was with full surface, right? That's a that's a fast, big fast forward. Um, so like around that time, um, I was really getting into okay, they've left Ruthless Records. Where are they gonna go now? What are we going to do now? And my beloved Steve Lobel, um he took them in a direction and I was still on, we can go over here and get more. And um, I was pitted with a decision of whether I was going to go to New York and see what they were going to do or not. And I chose not to, because I believe that we had a better situation if we would have held out, went to a Sony, Got a big ass label deal, Bone Thugs and Harmony Records. You're away from Ruthless Records now. Tamika has let you guys go. We're officially free. This was like 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like this was a long ass time ago. Remember, we've been in the business for a long time. So after about five, six, seven years, they're hearing in their ears, you guys, man, y'all got to grind back from the bottom. Y'all got to start from the bottom again, yo. No. And I knew that that wasn't true. That's just something a motherfucker say to you in the music industry to make you take less or they get in bad fucking medicine or food from wherever they get in this medicine from. No, this was would, like that would make sense. Yeah, that would this, make sense. Y'all this was, was established like, like a motherfucker. Yeah, that don't this make was sense. like this was like 12 some years ago when Tamika let let the group go finally to be independent. And then they went over there to full surface. I was looking for a more a lucrative, an epic deal, a universal deal, um, a Sony deal. Tommy Matola, big shots out to Matola, Clyde Davis. I was looking in those directions. And the direction that they was being taken in was like they was to me, was like, we're going back to try to find another easy E. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't agree with that shit. I'm more or less like big shout out to Full Surface, big shout out to Swizz. But I'm about, hey, bro, can you hook us up with Clive Davis? Because we've made half a billion dollars with Ruthless Records. And eventually they're going to have to give us our masters because there is a time limit on that. So fuck with us. Build this relationship. Man, I've been on this level. I'm not just saying it now because um, it sounds good. If you go back into my interviews in 207, 213, 211, 212, you're going to hear the same exact shit that I'm saying now. If you go to 106 and fucking park, you know what I mean? So just so you know, it's ain't just shit that sound good. So that was my direction. So I was happy to see them. They won an award for that shit. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think so, it was an American Music Award. Yeah, yeah. Because stre- so, you, you were on Strength and Loyalty. Um Cause I remember you were on, yeah. Well, actually, you had one of my favorite ver- verses on the Pump Pump song. That wasn't strength and loyalty. Now rewinding back to Ruthless Records. That Pump Pump is a Ruthless Records thing. No, that's that. That's on strength and loyalty. 
Well, they might. The, I yeah, don't know, they, that song. That song, Pump Pump, is on 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 Ruthless uh, Strength and Loyalty. Okay, but that's on the Ruthless Records as well. No, that's on Ruthless Records. I remember Pump Pump because Pump Pump was um. No, it, it was the one. No, 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 it was the one. I don't give a. Huh? No, 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 no. It's the one. I don't give a fuck about none of you motherfuckers. I get down for my damn thing. Tell a nigga that it's concentrate. Come on down to the land. Let us masturbate. That's, that's, that's ruthless records. That ain't. No, that's strength and loyalty. Let. Uh-uh. You can't pull it up. That's ruthless records. That's, Let's bet ten dollars, B. Let's bet bet the ten, nigga. That's 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 strength. That's that's bet the ten. <laughs> that don't be for money. That be prop money. So strength and strength and loyalty. It should be the song Pump Pump. Say it on here, bro. Okay, what's the one? We're checking, we checking the facts. Check, We're checking check, the facts. Pull the up fact the song, beat. Pump Pump. I wasn't right. I, okay, I was wrong about strength and loyalty. I'm trying to tell you. But I know. Let's see. Hey, don't Hold worry on. about it. I'm trying to tell you. Hey, man, hey, 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 B, if I'm wrong, I'm going to edit this shit out. <laughs> hey, hey, sorry, man, I don't even want that team. They going to be like, yeah. they going to be like, hey, he going to tell a nigga who, where, what song he on, his own shit. All good, like, <laughs> all good, all good. Yeah, but um, so is that why you elected, because you keep speaking of independence, is that why after, um, after, because when you started doing um The Gift and all of that, that was independent, correct? That was straight independent. Yeah, most of it was independent, but it was like with distribution labels to where I was getting a 50-50 arrangement and it wasn't being broken down to that 12.5 because, you know, I want 50%. Now, 12.5 amongst four different people is different than 12.5 by yourself. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, you know, I was on that level. You know what I mean? And, And I was really on my numbers and that was the simplistics of the game. Then it was just you know, negotiating the right thing. And so that's when I fell back. I'm like, okay, let me see what my guys are going to do. What decision they're going to make while I do my own shit. Let me see what direction they want to go in. Because everything that I was suggesting was falling on deaf ears. So I was just basically seeing where they wanted to go. So when the Unified Five and, and okay, so I went over there to Universal with them. And I went into Universal and I just made my own deal. Like, of course, I'll be a part of it. You know what I'm saying? But let me make my own deal out of it. And it was the smartest deal I've ever made. They tried to make me take a percentage instead of taking cash and or money up front, like lots of money. And it was like, just get a percentage. But I told them, if you guys market this and promote this and put marketing money and marketing dollars behind this, then I made a mistake. And I'm willing to take that risk. And that's a risk I'm willing to take because that means y'all going to blow this record up. Mm-hmm. Thug World Order. Okay. So it was on Thug World Order. I know it was. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you B for the win. Is yeah, that no. a ruthless record? It's ruthless. Oh, fuck. You was right, B. God yeah. damn it. My we'll bad. Edit, we'll just tell the My apologies. Good. Good. My apologies. Good. Good. So that was... <laughs> That was where it was after Rufus Records and Bones split up. She didn't, uh, Rufus didn't have to split up with me. I was already gone and I was already signing different paperwork, you know, to, of course, you get your points and your percentages. But if you're going to market and promote this record, then I made a mistake. But each time 
I just felt the vibe that I didn't feel like nobody really knew how to market and promote Bone. I felt like they were sitting on their asses. They wasn't giving the money to radio. They wasn't giving the money to advertisers. They wasn't running commercials. They wasn't running the videos like they were supposed to. It was cutting corners so they could go to the big lunches, have the black card, drive the big Ferrari, and expect for the hype to do everything so they could enjoy the expenses of your cars, a company expense, your dinner, a company expense, Versace, Gucci, this, this, that, company expense, Vegas, company expense. And I felt as though as I'm looking at the people that's handling it, man, they got on Rolexes, big ass gold chains. Like you ain't the artist. So where are your priorities? And that was back in the days before social media. So I'm like, oh, they spending the money on themselves. Let me go in here and work out the best money arrangement that I can with this particular company. And if they market and promote the hell out of it, well, then shit, I'm a fool. I'm a fool, but I've never been a fool. Yeah. So let me ask you, once you so you had experience with doing it yourself independently with the gift and all of those records. And then you've been on a major probably shit 80 percent of your career. Um, what do you prefer? What do you like? Do you do you like that grind of having to be of being independent and doing all the work yourself? Or do you prefer the the major route where it's as long as it's structured correctly? Now that you've well, I've never both. really been to a major man. Ruthless wasn't a major. It was a subsidiary off of a major. The universal for the unified five record was a major. That was probably the only major that I've really, really been on. It was a couple other back in the day, I believe Virgin for a year, I did a record over there, but it was through a subsidiary. And it was never like, Virgin Records is in the business of Busy Bone. Sony Records is in the business of Busy Bone. It's never been like a major like that. So don't get, I, I don't, I can't, I think I would have been able to turn that situation into a Whitney Houston. I think I would have been able to turn that situation into a good situation because I understand everything that you have to do. You understand everything that I have to do. I'm here to maximize my and then build generational wealth. That's what I'm on. So I I can't really say that, you know, I was ever with the major. I've, all I've ever been is independent. Well, let me, let me clarify. Easy eat. Right. Let me clarify. When I say independent and major, meaning like like my reference point of independence, like how with no limit or how with, a, um, uh, you know, a rap a lot, how you have to come up with the money. You now have to figure out radio. You have to figure out, you that know, was, street that teams. Was you know what I'm saying? That was Ruthless Records. It's just like my Master P had Sylvia behind him and Sylvia Rome. And have all these different, it's always somebody who they touch, but Ruthless Records, No Limit Records, um, Cash Money, all are independents to the core, to the core of it, to the core, death row and independent. So I do understand what you're saying. I just don't want to shit on no major fucking label because I see that they do a lot of motherfuckers really, really good. And I see what I maximize off of it. I see I see the potential in that that business situation working. I just see yeah. it. But it's all about what I you negotiate. Really, I've pretty yeah. much been independent. Go ahead. Yeah, it's all about what you negotiate. Yeah, I mean, 
That's what it is. What you at? What you negotiate? So all all majors, if you can get in there and make it make the machine work for yourself, then you can benefit from it. But if you just go in there and you know with your ass first, then shit, they're gonna treat you as such. You know what I mean? So it it can work. So um so now that you've 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 had such an eclectic career, you know what I'm saying? From independence to majors, gold, platinum. How many records have you sold? Uh, what was it? Maybe about eighty million, ninety million or so. I don't know, man. You know, I never really looked at it. Never really made that assessment. Um, I know it's a lot, and you know, um, at this point, it's. I think it's going to go on for a very, very long time. I believe that the face of how we get transmitted music is going to change. I think everything technology wise is going to change, man, like drastically and dramatically. So along with that, those sales, man, I just see them going to astronomical numbers later on, but I don't know the number mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. All right. So fast forward till, till now. I mean, Bone Thugs is one of the greatest groups. We know this, you know, you guys are like the fucking temptations of rap. You can, tour forever you know what i mean because you have timeless music what is busy bone think about today's uh hip-hop what do you think about today's music and today's whole get down just you know what is your thoughts on it um i think it's like you ever seen the movie the fifth element yep okay remember the uh character chris tucker played yep it's like that okay you know, I see it in that light, <laughs> a in a certain. But my my department is okay. That's that kid and play shit, b. You know what I'm saying? That's that that element of that, bb. And then I see the Kendrick Lamar and the Meek Mill level. You know, so I see rap and I see hip hop as like this fraternity of different motherfucking frats, you know? Um, So I see it, I see it for what it is. And my ultimate, um, how I bring it all together is this is hip hop. You know, they lost soul in them. They're wearing big ass hats and shit. You know what I'm saying? And and colorful shit, you know? Melly Mel and them. They was wearing tight ass clothes. You know what I'm saying? Feathers and shit. Stomach yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> you feel right. me? Right. Like, you know, so I see it as like a fraternity, man. One big, big ball of music, man. One big ball of a, a new thing, man, where poetry and and Jamaica and rock and that Rasta shit. And, and 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 the spoken word and and R and B and 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 all and scat and tap and blues and all of this shit comes together. So I think, yeah, man, I think hip hop is 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 really flourished into its own its own entity, man. You feel that's the state of it to me. I think it has grown into its own thing, man. Mm-hmm. For real. How, how do you feel about Drake saying that Bone Thugs is his favorite group? Drake is dope, man. Um, and for him to say some shit like that, you know, really only 
man, it, it, it's like one hand to another, man. Certain shit you don't have to do when you become a star in other people's eyes. You ain't got to help nobody. You ain't got to shout nobody out when you got the world in your fucking hands. You know what I'm saying? So it's one of those things. I don't even wonder where it come from. It's just, that's what's up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what's up. So who you rocking with? Who you listening to? Who's Busy Bone uh, vibing with, if anybody, these days, musically? Man, I'm still on that old Motown shit. Um, um, I still fuck with Michael Jackson. Um, Whitney. Uh, man, like, and then I, I kind of go into, like, other shit, too. You know what I mean? Like, new artists that I hear gospel. So I listen to a lot of gospel artists and shit. Um, you know, so it just, it varies. Nickelback, I fuck with Nickelback. Rascal Flats, I fuck with them. They this country group and shit. My homeboy on there, Gary and shit. Um, but yeah, man, it, it, it really, really varies, man. Um, and when it comes to hip-hop, pop, big, um, I hear some shit on J. Cole. I'm going to definitely nod my head. Um, Kendrick, if I hear some shit on him, game, if I, if I hear some shit on him and it just be, I be so in my fucking bubble, it'd be hard to listen to other motherfuckers unless I'm going to the studio and chatting with some niggas and they playing some shit or we driving or some shit like that. And I'm hearing that shit from Pandora or whatnot. Um, besides that, I'd be so into my bubble, but like me time, just music and that's that old Motown shit. Yeah. Man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Quick question. Um, what made you record that song, uh, Jesus? As a as a as a as a gangster rap, as a nigga from from Cleveland and from Columbus and running the streets and shit, what you know gave you the you know where you figured that you could pull that off? You know what I'm saying? Coming uh, from secular like, gangster the, shit to doing that. The that was a song that Big B Rest in Heaven and myself used to sing all the time back in school, like seventh eighth grade and like we used to be outside and everybody had their own little pockets of what they did talent wise some dudes would flip off the jungle gym some dudes was great basketball players some dudes could fight real good some dudes could rap and sing so and then we would have pockets of people around you during during recess you remember recess what recess was like so anyway so i got it from there and i knew all the notes from 11 12 years old and i never lose my vocals so and then with the um with the gift i really wanted to display my vocal range my main my main goal was to make a dope-ass record, but to show my vocal range, like to really display that because I, it was just a theme for me. And that's why I called it the gift because it was basically the gift I was given. So that's why I called it that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That was so, a dope-ass album. <clears throat> no, I'm up uh, that, crazy. Yeah, that motherfucker was dope. My, was other, fa my other song on that bitch was uh, Father. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was a dope ass song. 16 bars, three verses, eight bar motherfucking. Yeah, of course. Hook. Yeah. That was <laughs> the year of the five minute 
and some chains. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hell yeah. No, that that was a that was a beautiful song, actually. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's that, one that of my favorites. Shit. Like it's yeah. one of my favorites to perform because it means something. Like, and I was really going fast. It's like one of my best. Well, like the gift is very well put together. I really it was. wanted to show it. It was. Yeah. And sonically, yeah. sonically and musically is a beautiful album. Yeah. They mixed and, the hell out that motherfucker. Yeah. They, I had old Monster Cody from the Booyah, not Monster Cody, excuse me, Monster from the Booyah tribe playing the guitar and all live shit going. Darren. Yeah. Good team. Good team of guys, man. Big shout yeah. out to my own. Yeah, I put that song up there with uh Muddy Waters. Yeah, Muddy Waters was really, really good, man. Um that record. Um, I think it could have been handled a little bit better on both parts, my end as well. There's a couple things I would have changed around um, on that record, but I believe we had, it, it's a really, really good record. But these recent records, I wouldn't change a thing. These last three, Carbon Monoxide, The Mantra, and War of Roses, I wouldn't change nothing on these motherfuckers. They are exactly what the fuck I want. And this new deluxe I'm putting together and adding the songs that I kept off of War Roses because it was just too motherfucking much. So I'm in my groove, man. I'm in my motherfucking groove, man. I am in my motherfucking groove musically. Go ahead. I need to get off subject. No, it's all good. I want to pivot real quick and ask you something. So a friend of mine, um, Jasmine Lewis, she's an actress. Uh, She was in um, uh, Barbershop. Um, she played Ice Cube's wife. Uh, she's biracial. She said something interesting to me one time that I didn't even think about. And she was like, being biracial, she was like, it's a whole different struggle uh, in that, in even being white or black or whatever you're mixed with, being one of something. You know what I mean? So you being biracial, you know, what was your struggles? Just just you as a human being. Have you felt that like being white or black? Have you ever been in situations even outside the hood, even corporate or whatever the case may be, where you're put in a position where, you know, you're not black enough, but then you're not white enough. But then you're not dark enough. You're not light enough and shit like that. Have you ever have you had to navigate that as a biracial man? No, Um I was raised by wolves, man. Um, nobody gave a shit about it. Like from my neighborhood, long as you was a shooter, long as you could fight, you know what I mean? As long as you was a part of the pack, ain't give a fuck about the spots on your back. You know, um, later on, I, I, I was told, hey, your demographic of fans are this because you're this. So that was like way later on that I started like picking up on it. But where I'm from, like dudes ain't in style. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm no, I'm asking, I'm from the hood, it's a whole different understanding. But again, yeah. when she said that, when she said that, I never thought of that. Cause you know what I'm saying? Well, I'm like, damn. Well, she a female and she probably grew up in a nice environment and shit like that to deal with the kind of racism that, because she was coexisting. But I was the lightest thing in that motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? It was a couple of uh, white brothers and sisters that, that, you know, sprinkled in and out. But I was the lightest. They used to call me white man. (laughs) Wishbone's mom, her nickname for me is, oh shit, here comes the white man. 
<laughs> That's all she knew about me, the white man with the gun. The young white man with the gun. Yeah, yeah. Oh, shit, I'm his friend, the white man. So, like, I was called every name from yellow boy, white man, uh, we, uh, uh, Wonder Bread, the whole motherfucking thing. And it was love like a motherfucker. These motherfuckers love me, man. Like, that are saying this shit to me. So, when I did get like the corporate America, remember it was Easy E around 15, 16, 17. He died. And then I'm going back to the neighborhood because I'm fighting with Tamika. And the fans have always like been there, you know? And like I remember one time I bought a car um, from two cars, one for my mama, one for my homeboy that was doing security for me while my shit was low. And this was a big reward. You know, thanks for staying down. And these motherfuckers called the police on me and I go to jail for buying Cadillacs. So that's the kind of shit that I experienced. Because I got the big chain on. I got the big watch on. I'm talking young than a motherfucker. Flashing cash. But it ain't never really, like being biracial never really came into play. Like nobody really gave a fuck. Like when I did the BB Gambini and shit and once I told him about the John Walsh shit and being kidnapped and found by John Walsh from America's Most Wanted, once I told them that, man, I never experienced shit except that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nice. Nice. So um, <clears throat> so now let's talk about the elephant in the room real quick. So let me ask you this before we even get to that. Would you do a ver- who, who Who would you want to do a versus with? Who do y'all, um, who would you want to go up against? You know what? I'm saying if you could do it solo and another group. I don't know, man. You know, like, because of that versus and how epic it was, it's going to go down as one of the best. I don't want to be the dead horse. But I could definitely see Bone in the Woo or Bone and Outcast or anything else for sure. Um, I think my body of work now would best reflect what I would want to go uh, do a versus for if it made sense. But I just don't want to be the dead horse, man. I I have to, like my boy Wishbone always tell me, you know, man, why do some new shit when the shit we have is eternal? So, you know, um, so yeah, I just, my it's not on my radar per se. They would have to really, really, like, it would have to make sense and just like with this shit, the people have to be like, fuck that B, do it B, do it B, do it B. I would really have to get a lot of people to come at me and tell me to do it. Then that means y'all going to watch it and y'all want that shit. And now I have someone to market this shit to because I'm a, I promote, man, I market. So that's my feeling on it, Court. Uh, court. I, I don't mean to be long-winded. My no, bad, it's all baby. good. No, it's all good. <laughs> So let's get to the verses. So that and we'll we'll just get to I know you didn't been talking about it for the past fucking 10 days. Um, But, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't, you know, at least, you know, especially because I was there and I came with you. You know what I mean? <laughs> so with the we, we get to the verses and I even noticed I, when I got there, I came, I knocked on your trailer. I think you was in there on the phone or whatever. And then when you came out, I noticed that you were you was ready for war. Your whole 
you know, uh, uh, your whole thing was was you were serious. Like like you look, you was like Mike Tyson about to walk into the ring. You know what I'm saying? God damn um, right, baby. <laughs> you know what I mean? You didn't speak much. You wasn't smiling. It was like, no, I'm finna <laughs> get in this motherfucker and and we finna do what we do. Um, what do you think? Uh, I, I you you know what. <laughs> I guess what I want to know is at what point did you ever feel like it was going to go left uh, or or did you feel like, okay, you know what? We just come in the rap or did you get any vibe from anybody else that, okay, it, it's cool, but you know, everybody kind of, you know, sizing each other up and you know, whatever, whatever, or th- what happened was just strictly just emo. It, it just was spur of the moment. Um, like when I was first, I was a little sick. My son, um, my son brought some shit home and goddamn nasty ass kids in fucking school. For <laughs> sure. School. Oh, you stay sick. Booger eating motherfucker. Yeah. eating ass kids, <laughs> coughing and shit. Uh-huh. So I was fucked up, like fucked up, fucked up, fucked up, coughing up and sneezing blood and all this other shit. And I ain't had a COVID or no shit like that. Got tested, made sure I was good. Um. So, like, my demeanor was stay in character because you can't do too much or you're going to start coughing. And you got to save, like, your energy for these verses that they're going to need you to hit. Um, so that was my demeanor going to that. But ain't nobody no shit. Like, nobody knew it. Like, my niggas knew because I wasn't going to rehearsal because I was sick. And then when I got to the rehearsal, they seen me. I was sneezing and coughing and all kind of crazy mess. So, um, you know, that was the demeanor walking in. Um, but the object was don't let nobody think shit wrong with you. You come up in this bitch, it's showtime, nigga. So, and then my marketing and promotional scheme was serious shit. And it's got to be a twin tinge of realness in this shit. Everything can't be happy and joyful, joyfully like some fucking um, WWF fucking fight. And I didn't want our verses to be WWF. So I kept the, you know, the demeanor. And I I mean, just, I wasn't disrespectful and shit. You know, I was just, when they was playing their music, I wasn't dancing to their shit. That's it. And I'm looking at them like, whatever. I'm not dancing to their shit. That was my only energy was not dancing to their shit. Nothing else. I wasn't talking, doing none of that shit. I didn't expect nothing to go in any route or any direction. Um, But there are trigger words. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So before we get to the trigger word, I'm sorry, before we get to the trigger (laughs) word, I was there, I was in VIP. What did they do that, what did they do that had set you off that prompted you to say, y'all not going to be mocking me? How were they mocking you? Cause I didn't yeah, catch it. That, that didn't, that's what I'm saying. That didn't set me off. As I seen lazy doing what he was doing, I, I wanted to say something so I could be a part of the back and forth because I could feel the fans like B say something. They starting to know I wasn't doing too much talking and I was just rapping. And my whole thing was I seen him like trying to, you know, do something it, like in my peripheral in the corner of my shit. But my thing was to say something to add to the banter. And before I could get to say it, some motherfucker said some bullshit and a trigger word. Um, 
And like my last words was going to be, against the boo, you're the only lyricist on stage. That was going to be my last words. I mean, y'all go ahead and do y'all shit. And I was going to try to turn the spotlight over to homegirl because I fuck with homegirl. And I've been fucking with homegirl for a long time. But I ain't finna let nobody else know that shit right now or it's going to be too WWF. You know, so, you know, before I could say that and kind of give her the big up, you know, because I don't fuck with none of y'all, but I fuck with her. And then she's the only female on stage. This is what's going on in my mind. And before I could get to say and gangsta boo, right when I said that, that's when the nigga said that shit. It was a trigger word. And, you know, I just fucking went off. So gangsta boo. So you fuck with gangsta boo. Let me ask you, do you have a had you had a prior relationship with anybody else in three six? Nah, nah, nah. I really fuck with nobody. Uh, Crunchy, uh, he uh, said some fire shit, you know what I'm saying, about a nigga. Um, some shit that was like um, some cool shit that you say. You know, nothing, you know, fucked up. And so I, I, I had that locked in. Um, but yeah, I fuck with Gangsta Boo for a long ass time. Like years and years and years and years and years. And my whole mission was to big her up. You feel what I'm saying? Like on that particular, and that was pretty much the only thing I was going to say. I did see the little mock and I'm like, ooh, I got a way to say something to these motherfuckers. And then the rest was more like, you know, um, the way that I said it, are you ugly? Like it wasn't like me being super fucking serious. Yeah, you weren't trying to be malicious or like or right, 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 yeah. right. I was trying yeah. to really add to the banter and still stay in motherfucking character the best I can. Well, I don't fuck with y'all, but I fuck with her. And plus, I'm sick as fuck. So if I do too much talking, I'm gonna start coughing. You know what I'm saying? Because of that, so I'm saving all of this shit. So, and then when homeboy said the trigger word, it was just like, man, fuck you, man. You know what I'm saying? What the fuck is that? You know, who you talking to? You know, instead of being able to get all of that off, my body just reacted. And I believe that's when you was like, you know, you started making calls like, holy fuck, what's up? You know what I'm saying? I started rushing down. The hammer started coming out. Niggas was in, man, niggas had hammers in that bitch. Like straight up, man, I know my side here. I but yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. Um, because sure. I mean, you know. Because when we went to, you know, I got the call, August hit me like, man, you know what I'm saying? Go down and get B. You was in the car. You know what I'm saying? So before I had came to your car, I went to my car, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then I came to your car and then that's when we walked in, you know what I mean? And that's when, you know, we emerged on stage. And it was so funny because when I came on stage behind you, it was like motherfuckers was like, oh, shit, where the fuck did he get this Superman looking nigga from? You know what I mean? But then at the same time, it was it was a, a crazy kind of dynamic. You know what I'm saying? Because I felt like it still was genuine love and motherfuckers really wanted to get it done. You know what I'm saying? But it's still kind of this thing where you don't really know because, you know, like I know 
it don't even really be y'all. It be the motherfuckers around motherfuckers. It won't even be them. It'll be y'all's niggas that'll go and they niggas that'll go where you and Paul and, and lay and all y- y- y'all got to understand and y'all are there to work and get some shit done and do the performance. But you know, the man's in them is turned up. They ready to, you know what I mean? Do what they got to do. So, I mean, well, you know, sometimes the artist is turned and I walk in alone. You feel me? I had nobody with me to get turned, to get turned up for me. Like I come into the shows with bunches and bunches of people. I hit it. I got some hitters in that motherfucker, some motherfuckers carrying hammers, and that's really about it. And I'm corporate as fuck. I'm going to pay you your money. And I was just blessed to have you there. You yeah, know what I'm I saying? I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's a friend of mine. But everybody knew. I knew a job. it was a job that needed to get done. Nobody get punched. Everybody understood that this was so big, it couldn't end in a fight. But when you say something like that, like, I'm not going to say it back. I'm not cut like that. Like, it's just like a nigga saying it to you in the street. You know what I'm saying? You got to assess the situation. You know what I'm saying? Like, this ain't no motherfucker trying to get a lawsuit. Or, you know what I'm saying? Just feel like he want to try his hands with a star or a rapper or this, that, this, that. Like, this is a whole different kind of disrespect. And what I did was, and what happened was it took all the energy out the room. The moment that the, the, the gentleman said what he said to me, Little Wayne, Terrence Howard, none of these guys mattered no more. My next word was going to be Gangsta Boo, you the only lyricist in the bunch. But the moment that he did that, it changed the whole dynamic of everything. And it was just boom. Yeah. But the beauty of that though. It was just the world of bone. I wonder what they're thinking about it. Damn. I didn't expect for him to do no shit like that. I wonder if he's coming back and nobody gave a fuck about too much of anything really going on. They listening to the music, but that's where their attention went. And you got to remember it's over 35 million people watching this shit all across the world on their verses, on their Instagrams. This is like the biggest shit in the world. So the energy was sucked out the room and everyone said, man, he shouldn't have said that to you. Everybody like they trying to make the ugly motherfuckers be anything more, but it just doesn't draw that. That didn't draw that. So that's what happened to the show. It was, you know, they they kind of cut themselves short and, and, and took a lot of their own guest appearances was their biggest energy. But as each one came up there, they was like, damn, it's be about to throw another bottle. You know what I'm saying? Or what the fuck is going on? So, man, if the gentleman wouldn't have said that shit, I think they would have had a better chance of people siding with them as far as competing. Man, they brought out the whole industry. If 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 the gentleman wouldn't have said that shit, the moment he said that shit, everything changed. I can't see myself telling them niggas no shit like that. And my marketing and my promotional plan was working. 
Nobody else was everybody was like, oh, we friends. Man, fuck all that. Don't nobody want to hear that shit. Sharif. Mm-hmm. Nobody want to hear that friend <laughs> shit, Sharif. <laughs> it was fucking war. Go war. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody in like Triller and Versus was like, keep doing what you're doing. You're getting the most traction. That's why when I got there, people was fucking with me because I was marketing and promoting the fuck out of that shit. Like every single fucking day, doing the memes, not being too disrespectful, but strong enough for them to get it. You know what I'm saying? Like to, I push, I'm pushing the limits, pushing the edge, but more so with the movies and the face things. So it still has a playful kind of environment to it. So everything I was doing was professional, man. Building it up and building it up and building it up and building it up and not fucking um, breaking the code until the very end. I'll ease in there with the gangster bullshit. And then at the end, we do Crossroads, rest in peace, young Dolph, and we're out of there. Great show. But the moment he said that shit, it changed every motherfucking thing. And I didn't expect it. I ain't planning. But the only thing I could do, you know what I'm saying, in my mind, We'll shut him the fuck up. Don't say, don't, don't talk to me like that. You ain't going to talk to Cray like that. You ain't going to talk to Lay like that. You ain't going to talk to Flesh like that. You ain't going to talk to Wish like that. And you're not going to talk to Busy like that. This is personal. You got an issue. You dig? You got an issue. Beforehand, niggas can kiss and make up, but you was feeling a certain kind of a way when we walked in there. I was sick, keeping the code. Ain't got nothing personal against none of you niggas. Have you and have you and Juicy uh talked <laughs> since then? Have y'all had a chance to chop it up? Only chopper we needed to do was on that stage. I'm a real dude. You know, um, I'm quite sure people would love to see us on the road. Um, some Drake and Kanye shit. It's money to be made. Um, but I'm a businessman. I'm like not here to play. I'm not touchy and Philly. I don't got no brittle spirit. I can take what you said. Hopefully you can take how this energy is about to shift because you said it. there are consequences and repercussions. I ain't got to punch you in your mouth, baby. That ain't what this is all about, you know, and that's really where it was. And that's why I think that it is. And, you know, uh, to us giving each other dap on stage, that was real. Us standing next to each other and doing crossroads. Oh, that was real. And it was all captured on verses. Now I go back to my regularly scheduled program. You feel what I'm saying? And of course, there's an album that could be done here, a tour we could go on, bring it together, hip hop unity. But I'm about doing something that makes sense. Like I'm, I'm about being about it. I'm not fucking playing. I'm getting to the bag. I'm getting to that bag because the bag is able to be gotten too. These motherfuckers love us. They love a great story. I'm here to give it. You feel me? So. There hasn't been any conversations or none of that shit. It's just, man, keep it pushing, man. It ain't like I ain't never heard that shit before. Yeah. You feel me? Yeah. I think that it was, I think the way that it broke apart and then came back together, you know, the fact that y'all was able to push the bullshit to the side and move forward like adults, like men, you know, I think it it, it actually showed uh, an example to the young niggas and the younger generation that, you know, at the end of the day, don't nobody got to die. You can shoot a fair one. You can do what you got to do, say what you got to say and still, you know what I'm saying? 
shake hands and 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 and, and move about your life. You know what I'm saying? I think that was a great thing because really what y'all uh, exhibited is is is, you know, black excellence and nigga shit. I said that before. It was the perfect display of nigga shit and black excellence. Y'all was able to fucking, you know, have y'all clashes like men and then say what a motherfucker want to say and then move forward and still get business taken care of. So, you I mean, know, the way I, I salute y'all is, on that. The way I look at it is nobody was willing to say nothing about it. Like, everybody was just so balled up and nobody was willing to be the master of ceremonies and put that coolant over it. And that's why I said, you know, I want to apologize to you guys and I want to apologize to your side for everybody having to get up and get, get crump. And I want to apologize to my side. And somebody had to be that because nobody else was, I didn't just go crazy motherfucker. It was some other shit that was done. And I had to become that bigger person or else it would not have happened. I'd have got on stage and it would have just been tension. You know why I did what I did. But I had to be the one to step up and be the bigger person, even though 99.999% of the people agreed. 99.9% of the people said, Busy, you did what you were supposed to do. Both benches clearing did what they were supposed to do. Nobody really, really getting fucked up. Y'all did what y'all was supposed to do. Everybody understood the show must go on. It was a prerequisite. Nothing happens for no reason. If you believe in God, you know he see all things and know all things before they happen. During and after. So I look at it like that. But if I didn't say shit, it would have just been tension in the room. Nobody was willing to be the bigger person in the situation. And by being that, people understood where I was coming from. And I wish everybody took that opportunity to be the bigger person along with me. So it could be it was good to see you young brothers come together at the end. You understand what I mean? Everybody was so bald and I ain't Instead of, yeah, me too, man. You're right. That shit was uncalled for. So you standing there by yourself being the bigger fucking person. You understand what I mean? So that's a difficult situation that, you know, I've been there before. You know what I'm saying? So I'm able to do that shit. You feel me? But you feel alone as fuck. So are you saying you didn't feel... you? So I I don't want to misquote you or hear you wrong. So do you when you say alone, meaning that from both sides, you didn't feel like it was like you felt like you were the only one. You didn't feel like I don't want to put words in your mouth. You didn't feel like. No, no, I feel as though, you know, when you're apologizing for your part, something, everybody should be apologizing for their part. If they're thinking if they're thinking on behalf of the people, if they're thinking on behalf of Triller. If they're thinking on behalf of the culture, if that's how they're really thinking. But we shouldn't accrue any of those luxuries and delicacies to those that aren't willing to display that. I give a fuck about the culture. I give a fuck about making sure the show goes right. I give a fuck enough to apologize. 
if that makes sense. And I had to stand there on my own. I don't mind everybody else getting the blessing from it. All that did was make people say, well, I understand why you did it then. And you were the bigger person. You Well, did he, has he said anything to you? That's their very next question. That's everyone's next question. Has he, has he apologized? Has he, has he said, and what I left on that stage and said on that stage don't need to be said no more. So I'll just consider it an apology from everyone. On behalf of us, let's keep the show going. So I'm, I had to be put in that position. And that was really, really difficult with no support because nobody thinks that way. Nobody thinks in that, that kind of a light. They don't go that far with it. You know what I'm saying? It's just the fight and it wasn't even a fight. You know what I mean? It wasn't even a fight. And no one takes it to that next level. So, you know, sometimes you can be an overthinker. So that's one of my curses, I guess. I got you. Well, now that the versus is water under the bridge and, you know, I actually think that you came out. I told August this, too. I believe that you came out victorious in that shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, especially. Oh, when we, took quarter- home the, we took home the V. Yeah. We took it, home the victory yeah, after that. Yeah. Especially the apology. Yeah. When they got the apology, there was pretty much nothing even the trolls could say. You know what? Nah. What the fuck can we say? In the court, in the court of public opinion, yeah, you won. You won that night. You know what I'm saying? So, um, so on the heels of that, I mean, what what's next for Busy? I mean, you know what I'm saying? We we in 2022 basically now. So, what new music, movies? You know, we didn't even touch on your acting career. You did Jack back in the day, jacked up and all of that. But what uh, what you got new? What you what you do? Um, well, I already put out a video with my sons, so that was already cooking. I put out a record, War of Roses, so that was cooking. Um, and um, I got a documentary already done that I'm going to be airing and premiering soon um, for the people just marketing it and promoting it. I got a couple more visuals, another one with my son, already in the bag. So I was working beforehand when I got the call from Versus and just doing my normal day-to-day how I move. And... So right now I'm taking my sons to the next level, um, doing music with them, which was my dream. You know, I wanted to do it back back with the, um, when I was going uh, against the Migos and shit with the carbon monoxide, but they wasn't ready at that time. Um, and, you know, um, that's what's been going on. As far as the movies and shit, my biopic is coming along good. Um, uh and everything's going good. My next film, I would say, will be the documentary where you just see me for about 45 minutes in a movie sense. And I'm not rapping and singing and shit like that. So um, that's probably the next thing. And that's what I've been doing, you know, just pushing the product that I've already been creating and uh, staying in the studio um, and doing shit with my homeboys and and the groups that I help and bring up and mentor. I got a couple people that I just mentor that I won't sign to no label just because I just want to teach them the ropes and they're really, really good at what they do. And I'm teaching them how to be independent um, and being a friend in the industry and paying it forward. This is how you do it. This is your merchandise, this print on demand, this is your web thing, this, that, this, that, this, that, this, that. You can do it yourself, give a couple of people a couple of dollars. So that's kind of what my world is looking like. And being a father, of course, um, to my son, Jesse, and my YouTube channel, Jam TV and my wife, she's recording a new record and just the business of love, the business of marriage, um, the business of living a good life, a healthy life. Um, I'm a vegan. 
so I don't eat meat. Um, since I've been putting out the War of Roses, I put the drink down. I ain't had a drink in damn near a year. Um, I work out. I do my cardio. I pump my iron. Um, and I read. And I and, and th that's what my world looks like. You know what I mean? Constantly doing projects. And like I was saying, I got the, um, the War of Roses Deluxe, the Gold Deluxe coming real soon where I'm adding four, three, four songs on there. And... Um, so I'm, you know, I just got a lot that I've just been doing, man, that I, you know, I, I, years ago, I decided just put out brand new material, BB, like this is what's in you and you could do it yourself and just keep putting it out because that's what you want to do and build up the next show with the rest of your crew. Stay away, man, and, and let it build up and 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 stretch it out. So when we finally do the five man live thing, it, it's like, oh, shit. And, you know, so that's been my plan and it's worked consistent, consistently over and over and over again through each five year to seven year segment of Bone Thugs in Harmony. And I've been able to implement it and make it more of a business move, more than a personal move or more than I may not like the direction that they're going in at any given time. It's more of a business move for me now that is I'm able to still do what I do, still be able to maneuver my way in this industry and own shit and shit like that and 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 still work with my crew at the same time and have that fine balance with me and my boys and still do my business. And they respect that I do my business the way I do my business. You know, um, they're not like, oh man, he ain't gonna sign this or, oh man, he don't agree with this. Like whatever he don't agree with, that's just how he feel. And we gotta keep on going as a band and as a brand. And I love that. And I'm able to step away and then add to it because there's always a certain element that they don't get it all. You don't get everything. But when you do, it's five years later. Now, that's 35 years that Bone Thugs and Harmony has been into the music industry. Then another five years. Now, that's 40. So I've been able to implement my absence with having it make sense so we have a grand return and me keeping myself in shape just make sure when i get back that it's a pleasant addition that it that it he's been charting for the past three records he's been doing his shit he's been doing his thing with his son he turned up da, 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 da. so it isn't just me sitting down not doing shit i'm still marketing and promoting, marketing and promoting, putting out my off the wall, my thriller, you know, and all of those different things and putting myself in the right positions so people can be like, it's a pleasant addition. And a lot of people tell me, you need to go on back. And I love when they say that. That lets me know they still welcome it. You know what I mean? So, and that's why I always shout out my boys, utmost respect for their talent, who they are, the grind that they on, the business of Bone Thugs and Harmony. There have been times when Lazy stepped away for three, four years. It is on solo shit. There was times when Crazy stepped away. Flesh and Bone did 10 years. Wish is probably the only one that never really stepped away. So, but in the group, and there are intervals when we all have. It's just at this point, it's working in a magnificent way this way. So that's kind of where that is. Let me ask you, would you, would Bone Thugs do a versus with against Migos? Would you be willing to do that? Yeah, I just don't want to be the dead horse, man. I don't know how we top the, the water bottle, man. I don't know how we I don't know how we top the 3-6 the versus bone. You know, I don't know how we top it. 
I mean, it, it you know, it, I think it was just a dope ass night, man. Nobody got hurt, man. Everybody turned up. Everybody brand went up. Everybody gained 200,000 followers. Everybody went up. You know, at the end of the day, people got opinions. Some people don't like it. Some people do like it. Some people fucking with them. Some people fucking with us. Some people fucking with both. And at the end of the day, I think it, I just don't know how we top it, man. Yeah. Uh, I really, really so, don't. So when you say that, B, you don't know how we top it, does that mean that you you have you don't have a desire to do verses again, period? Or? Yeah, yeah. I ain't thinking about that. I ain't thinking about it. I got the great thriller. Um, I was able to open up a relationship with Swizz, like and call him when I want. You know what I mean? So I was able to open it, and that's really what it's about to me in this business is relationships. Okay. And yeah, for sure. I can show these. People, yes, as long as I can show these people, I'm about my business. I ain't on no motherfucking drugs. I'm focused as fuck. I'm mature as fuck. Yeah, shit happened. Let me tell you what Swizz told me. He was like, "B, you ain't got to apologize about anything. This is fucking hip hop. And at the end of the day, y'all came together. That shit was dope. Don't worry about it. And that's why I really ain't been speaking on it. You know what I'm saying, Court? Because I ain't trying to be the dead horse. You can watch it. You seen at the end, it all came together, man. So it really, 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 it worked out really well. I don't feel no certain kind of a way. I, you know, I, that shit, I've heard that little shit before in the hood. And you know, sometimes a nigga got knocked the fuck out. And sometimes a nigga got in his Mercedes and drove the fuck away like, fuck you, bitch. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. <laughs> it's both situations. So. Yeah. I just think it all worked out. No, I don't have it any did. desire, man. I ain't tripping. Okay. Okay. You off that. Okay. Real shit. Well, man, listen, I ain't going to keep you, B. Man, I appreciate you, my brother. You know what I'm saying? I want to give you your flowers, though. You know what I'm saying? Oh, you, you as a solo artist, as a man, as a father, as a brother, you know what I mean? Um, man, you you have a hell of a testimony. You know, everybody knows your story. That's why we didn't even really need to get into the childhood thing. It's all well documented. But, you know, you've overcome so much, you know, adversity to being one of the top selling groups in the fucking world, you know, of hip hop. Um, you know, and you've, you know, you've emerged from so much bullshit victoriously, you know what I mean? And to still be here, have your mind, have a good spirit, still have your talent in check and still just being great. My brother, I want to give you your flowers, my nigga. We go back, you know what I'm saying? I'm glad we was able to, you know, come to verses and come together. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm glad we was able to at least because we shared that moment of verses, too. So I share in that with you. You know what I mean? That part of history, that part of history I share in with you. So, uh, man, I appreciate you coming to the show. My brother, you know, you always got to support, you know, support from me from No Limit. You know, my family, my No Limit family, all of that. So you already know what that is. Yo, yo, Ken. You have yet to say anything. You gotta <laughs> say something. Hey, bro, it's been a long day. You know, you know when we had Stack on, it was a conversation the whole time. But we've got guests in and out. We had some technical difficulties. I'm checking these cameras. Uh, but you know, I think this was more of a conversation for you in court because really, he, you know, we have been talking about the verses ever since, and I was texting him when he was up there. But you know, I, I think that the conversation, any questions I might have had, have already come out. Uh, but you know, for me, for me uh, again, man, it's a salute. I'm from Sacramento. I know in Sacramento we was on that Cebo, that Brother Lynch, but but Bone was in rotation the whole time. Like a uh, big fan base out there, obviously a big fan within me, and uh, 
And me personally, man, you know, there's a lot of stuff we didn't touch on, but I see the influence because I do like modern day hip hop. I do like the the Mo Three and the Kevin Gates and and when I hear them, I hear Bone every time. You know what I mean? Like that's always been one of my my favorite uh, rap genres is, is that fast Midwest. And uh, and I still hear it. I hear it in the in the shit I listen to today, and I like today. So, so salute, man, for the contribution to the, man, to the stuff. Salute, salute back, man. I really appreciate that, Ken. Man, just wanted to make sure I shout you out, Court. You already know War of Roses streaming on all platforms, my man. You gotta let them know, man. We'll uh, have August get you a couple of things as well. Um, my Jam TV, my YouTube channel with my wife, myself, with my wife, my son, and myself. Um, that's why I put my videos out. That's what we're going to put the documentary out for people to see. And Bone Thugs in Harmony, everything that they're doing, Lazy, Crazy, Wish, Flesh, get into their social medias, follow them, uh, like their pictures and shit, stream like crazy, y'all. That's the name of this game. This is why Atlanta is winning. Everyone who's watching this shit right now, stream War of Roses like crazy. That's how Atlanta is winning. And I look forward to you guys checking out my new music. And thank you, Ken, man. Thank you, Court, man. Y'all be good. I don't mean to be long-winded. Oh, it's all good, my brother. Hey, I'm going to be in Houston Wednesday, so I'm going to pull up on you if you got time. So I'm going to holler at you, my oh, brother. Good. All right, salute. Salute, love. Be great. stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada ba ba ba. At participating McDonald's.